This is Amplify You, the podcast about you discovering your message and broadcasting it to the world. If you're a coach, author, or speaker, you'll want to tune in. If you're looking for the best return on your time investment to get your message out to the world in a bigger way, we're giving you full access and behind the scenes look of how we're running our podcast, how our clients have found success, and what you can do to launch your podcast today. The world needs your message. I'm Michelle Abraham, the host. Join my family as we unleash your unique genius and find the connections you need to launch your adventure today. Join us and let's get Amplified. Hello, Amplify You. Michelle Abraham here, your host. I'm really excited to bring you an amazing Ask the Expert interview today with Jan Jansen. Jan is an incredible woman who I've had the pleasure of meeting recently in the last few months, and she's been working with me on my sales. And so I thought, hey, this is a great topic. Let's bring Jan on our podcast, and she can share some of her brilliance with you. So welcome, Jan. Thank you for being here with us. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You're welcome. I just want to share a little bit more about Jan to our audience. So Jan's been an entrepreneur for 40 years. She bought a home cleaning business at the age of 19 and then has been a serial entrepreneur ever since then, having businesses in a wide range of different industries. What's really cool about Jan is she's passionate about helping women you know, fix their relationship or increase better their relationship of selling and money, particularly that tough money part of the conversation. Us entrepreneurial women know that conversation really well. So she helps coach women on money using the sacred money archetypes, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes, and is an advocate for the empowerment of women through financial freedom. And I love Jan's tagline, it's six figures is the new minimum wage. And I thought, what a better time than to really talk about this. And you know, a lot of women I meet have hobby businesses or they have rocking real solid businesses, but they always, no matter what, you know, where you are in the entrepreneurial you know, um, you know, spectrum, it's the sales conversations that always seems to be feeling like, like they're not super strong. So Jan, thank you for being with us today. I'm super excited to dive into this. Well, I'm excited because I agree with you. It is kind of the yicky, yucky, slimy, sleazy part of the conversation for lots of women. So it's tough and I'm just here to make it a whole lot easier. Awesome. That sounds great. I, I, and I would love to know what made you get into like the sales part of the conversation because there's a lot of different areas of with your entrepreneurial experience that you could have been a coach for. So what made you pick the sales? I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. In 2007, I decided I wanted to travel. And so I took my six-figure healing practice on the road and I started to travel the world. And in the, in the nine years that I traveled, living out of two suitcases, I spent most of my time in developing countries. So for example, I lived in like rural El Salvador for four months. I was in the Philippines. And I lived in every country in Central America. I lived in five cities in Mexico. And I saw a tremendous amount of suffering, you know, animals, women, children. It was just, it was heartbreaking sometimes, mm -hmm. Michelle. Yeah, you know, the the suffering that goes on in the world is really sometimes beyond what we can even imagine. And when I came back to Canada, because I decided that that's where I wanted to settle and live the rest of my life, that I wanted to make a difference. And when I, I took a couple of years to figure it out, and when I really sat down and I thought, how can I make the biggest difference in women's lives and women's entrepreneurs' lives? It was they need to earn more money. I mean, it just came down to it. They need that six-figure mm -hmm. income, but 
I also realized that the easiest way for them to do that was to learn how to sell really, really well. And with grace and ease and confidence and fun and joy, you know, all the words that they don't usually associate with selling. <laughs> so that was what made me pick selling. Wow, what an incredible journey. I wanna go back to the traveling in a minute, but uh, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, the, that a lot of the women that I work with or have worked with over the past, it's a, a per, like a service that we're selling usually. And it's like, sometimes they attach that personal, personalness to it. And it feels like, you know, you don't want to be pushy. You don't want to be, you know, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you need to make money and to raise your family and to be able to help support your big cause and our big mission to help, you know, make an impact in the world. And so I love what you're, I love what you're doing um, in, in helping women with their finances. I think that's really, in, that's really powerful. What do you think, um, you know, going back to your traveling, what is, you know, I love how you picked out the, the helping sell better will help change a lot of things with that ripple effect. So women can bring in more money into the homes that can improve their overall living and lifestyle. Any other things that you saw while you were traveling that really made you think that like, yeah, this is the way to go. This is how I can make a huge impact. I think I realized, especially when we lived in rural El Salvador for the four months we had, we were on a property with caretakers and we were right on the beach. It was really a tiny little village and we got to know this family really well. And I speak fluent Spanish. So I got to know them really, really well. And the suffering was really incredible. The animals were being fed like a tortilla a day. It was heartbreaking. And it was just that they couldn't, they couldn't afford it. They didn't have any more money. It wasn't like they wanted to mistreat the animals. It was simply that it was a choice between putting a little bit better food on their children's plate or you know, giving these animals what I would call real food. Mm -hmm. And so we stepped up, we fed those animals for the four months. And we also decided that we would continue to help the family. And so that was in 2015. So now five years later, the oldest has graduated, the first in her family to graduate. Mm -hmm. And we've helped the family out through providing a monthly, you know, a monthly um, donation every month to, for food. But we've also done things like pay for their school supplies in January when they go back mm -hmm. to school. They also, the difference that, and literally it's $100 US a month. So this is not a huge amount, okay? That difference has meant that the kids have excelled in school because instead of having protein only two or three times a year, they now get it two or three times at least every week. Now, what a huge difference, right? We've been able to buy them a new bed. We had, you know, we bought them a new fridge a few, I think it was a couple of years ago. We've just have made a, a huge difference in their lives. And the difference, I believe that with just that little bit of money, we will break the poverty cycle in that family for those three children. Now that just kind of blows your mind when you think that the, the ripple effect of, you know, approximately $2,000 Canadian in a year, and you can change literally, you know, the, the lives of potentially hundreds of people. Like mm -hmm. that just told me we don't need to, we don't need to be all be gazillionaires. You mm -hmm. just have to have the extra Michelle. And that story just inspired me to get out of bed in the morning and to make a difference. Yeah. You know, and you know, making a difference, we have to, you know, I think there's, you know, that's something I've learned over the last few years. You can't make a difference in the world from an empty pocket. And, you know, in order to make a bigger difference in the world, we have to have the money to be able to do things like that and be able to make that difference. And, um, yeah, it just resonates so much with your story. When I first heard it, I was like, yeah, that's an amazing story. 
where, uh, where were your favorite places to travel? Just talking about the travel part for a second, because we know that's a soft spot of my heart too. <laughs> oh, it's so hard to pick out one. I mean, there were so many incredible countries. I mean, I've been to now 48 countries in the world. I loved Vietnam, really loved Vietnam. It was in such an incredible country. And we loved Morocco, loved Croatia. Um, San, Miguel, San Miguel de Allende in Mexico was another one of our favorite cities. Mm -hmm. We lived there for six months and almost spot there. It was, it was pretty darn close to that being our home. But, you know, every place that you go to, I think it's the attitude that you go with. You know, even sometimes the places that we weren't crazy about, we learned so much. You know, it was, it was interesting. We met neat people or we got to try new foods or new, you know, so it's always a new experience, right? Mm -hmm. But those countries always really stand out in my mind as being like just just kind of top of the list. Cool. I haven't been to any of those, so I'm excited to put those on my list. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's funny. Um, somebody said to me, I moved uh, to Switzerland like a couple of days after high school to work at, for a family in Switzerland. And I remember when my high school friends say to me, why would you want to go to Switzerland? You haven't seen all of your own country yet. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like what a limiting mindset. <laughs> because uh, as you just said, you know, like I think some of my best like post-secondary education was from the years I spent traveling. Like there's so many different things you learn just about life and people and the connections you make. It's just incredible. And then I think too, Michelle, to speak to that, I don't really think that most Canadians really have a true appreciation of how amazing this country is. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I read a quote the other day that said, when our back is up against a wall, it's a silk curtain. And it really is in comparison to so much of the world. I believe the world would be a totally different place if every 18 year old had to go spend a year in a developing country mm -hmm. and then come back and decide what they want to do with their life because i think that that would open their eyes to just how privileged how amazing our world is even in its toughest and roughest times mm -hmm. it is really incredibly it's incredibly beautiful it's yeah. incredibly quiet but it's also very 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 prosperous in so many ways yeah yet the a minimum uh, wage is still not six figures for women, is it? <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, PayPal did a study in Canada. They've never done the study in the U.S., mm -hmm. but they did a study here in Canada and that the average woman entrepreneur in Canada earns $68,000 less than a male entrepreneur. Now that, what I read that, I just want, well, first of all, I want to cry. And then I wanted to stop my feet and throw a little temper tantrum because I was so bad. And then I just decided that no, we're going to change that. That is not going to be the reality for women. I am just not going to tolerate that because it's just not fair. Women work so hard, Michelle, and we deserve better than that. Yeah, absolutely. So for uh, the audience that's sitting at home right now thinking that, you know, they have a business, they want to do podcasting, they're going to start podcasting. When you're podcasting, your audience really gets to know you as a host really well. What, do you have any uh, tools or suggestions for when our host of the podcast then offers, you know, to a consultation or something for the listener? Is there some tools that you can suggest that way, how we work through that conversation when, you know, the, the listener may know us, but we're just getting to know the listener. So is there any, I don't know if that's ever something you've probably never been asked that question before. But. No, I haven't. That's an interesting one. You know, I think that there's a couple of things when you get to that tough money part about, about sales, mm -hmm. right? And everybody, nobody likes that part. I do, but no, very few people do. But I think that if you have built up to that in a proper way. Like if you have been 
engaging and you have been interested and you have been really, you know, you really care about these people, then I think it makes a huge difference in how any offer is received, right? Right. If it's, if it's more about them than you, then it just makes such a big difference because mm -hmm. you, you start to build a rapport, right? And I know in podcasting, obviously you're not going to get to know them personally, mm -hmm. but the thing is, are you speaking their language? Like if mm -hmm. I was doing a podcast for moms, then you'd have to speak their language. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so that's a huge part of it. And that starts to build rapport. And I think just coming across that you are really here to solve a problem and that's mm -hmm. all sales is it's just solving a problem that people have. Yeah. Right. And we all have right. problems that need solving, which means yeah. we're all buyers. And we also can be potentially good salespeople when we think about solving a problem. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that perspective. You know, it's funny, uh, earlier on in the podcasting space, one of the things that um, the demographic of podcast listener was male, CEO, highly educated, and were conditioned to purchase online. They made it above average income. And because they had an iTunes account, they made for very good customers. This is old. Oh, this is like we're talking about ten years ago. <laughs> the, the statistics have changed a little bit. But originally, that was one of the great things about podcasting because your listeners had credit cards already on file, so they knew how to purchase online. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now the definite thinking is the demographics. Oh, it's changed. It's more. It's definitely like a lot more women listeners now, but. It's still it's more affluent, more educated, and but very loyal listeners, which is really great. And I think it's because of that rapport that you're building um, uh, with the listener or the audience kind of rapport. And I love that. So tell us about the archetypes. I'm curious about the archetypes. Well, the whole idea of archetypes is it's, you know, it's our, it's our well, I like the term, it's the blueprint of our soul. Mm. So it's not like you're going to change your archetypes. You are what you are, right? So it's understanding. I work with eight principal archetypes. And so you, when you do the assessment, which is really fun, as you know, because you've done it, and it's, you know, it takes less than 10 minutes, but it really asks you some, some really important questions about how you view things. And as you go through them, it then you know, tallies up the score and you get your, your archetypes. And I work with the top three. But what it does is it, it really pinpoints your belief system around money. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've done now hundreds of readings and it's really been quite remarkable how uncannily accurate they are. <laughs> and I actually had fun this past week where I worked with the I worked with the husband first and then he wanted his wife to do it and she did it. And then so I did then together, I then looked at both of their archetypes and showed how the differences in what was a priority, what was a trigger point, where the friction could happen, where they could support and work together, where they could better understand each other. It was like it was really amazing. And mm -hmm. Uh, I can see how, you know, accountants or financial planners or people that could really benefit from something like that. I mean, every couple could because money is yeah. such a, a hot topic, right? It's a volatile subject <laughs> in a lot of people's relationships. And when you understand where your partner is coming from, it just, mm. it just can go, oh yeah, right. I got it. Right. It just kind of takes the, the edge off of it. Mm. And do you find typically like partners are on like totally opposite um, like opposite not, not archetypes. Necess not necessarily, you know, it's, it's in, not necessarily, but where there is, where there's similarities, we want to 
show how they, that can really help balance and where there's differences. Then I can also show where, you know, this is where he's thinking, this is how he's thinking. This is how you're thinking. You know, this is how she's thinking. This is how he's thinking. And they kind of go, oh, right. Got it. Like, it's just like the blinders come off and they just can see each other in a whole new level of understanding, compassion, and hopefully, you know, they can work out the money issues to a much greater degree. Yeah. Considering I think money issues is one of the top reasons people get divorced these days. That's a great, great place to start in your relationship. <laughs> so you will and, understand and, that. And the thing is that for entrepreneurs, when you understand, like I've worked with a lot of women in the last couple of weeks where nurture is a primary archetype, which means that they just want to give away everything. Like they don't want to, they don't want to charge. They don't want to raise their fees. They don't want, right? And yeah. so it's tough to, to earn you know, those six figures when you're constantly giving yourself you know, everything away. And they'll say, but I, I give my time away. You know, I don't give money away. I give time. Well, it's because they're often broke. So they don't have money to give away, <laughs> but they also haven't really learned to value their time. And that's where I can really help and be of assistance. Hmm. Why do you think women have such a hard time with the sales conversations? I don't know, because you know, what's the crazy part about this, Michelle? And this is something that very few people know. Women beat themselves up and they get beaten up all the time about they're not good at sales and men are so much better at sales and all the sales training is geared to men. And you know what? According to Gong, which you know does uh, the review of all sales and they you know taped over a million hours of sales conversations and critiqued them, you'll never believe this. Women outsell men by 11%. Wow. <laughs> now, who would have thought that? If only your sales, if only your ticket price was the right price, the right. <laughs> but, but you know what the thing is, Michelle, what's so funny is that we do everything wrong. Like we talk too much, we interrupt too much, we don't listen enough, we do lots of things wrong, and yet we still outsell women, uh, men by 11%. Now, when I saw that, I was kind of blown away and thought, well, how did we do that? Right? <laughs> like, how? But I realized that women are naturally good salespeople because mm. yes, they talk a lot, but they listen at a whole nother level, right? They really, they can, they hear, they hear the nuances in the voice. They pick up the emotions. They're, they're just in tune at, at such a, a incredible level that they can get away with doing lots of things wrong and they can still outsell men. They just don't have the confidence and they don't know that because nobody's telling them that they, they're telling them they do it all wrong. And I say, you probably do most things right. You just need some fine tuning. You know, you just need some confidence. You just mm -hmm. need a little bit of coaching and it'll be amazing what you can do. And I think women are probably really good at building the rapport to you. Oh, um, you know, <laughs> that's a really good thing too. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's that's interesting that women outsell. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I know. I think that, that, that statistic probably blows a lot of people like, what? Did I hear right? They're going to go back and make sure they listen to this correctly, right? That I really said that. And I really did. I mean, it wasn't me that said it was gone. And they're, they're pretty reputable. This isn't the National Enquirer, right? This is, this is legit. Yeah. Wow. That's, inc that's incredible. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, that's the bull of my mind. <laughs> you think, I don't know. I would just naturally think that men would be better at sales. But I guess like, you know, selling from the heart is more of a thing these days, right? And I think it's maybe that's why women are really good at it too. It's a heartfelt, it's more of a heartfelt, not the car totally. used car salesman kind of thing, right? Oh, it is. When you connect with someone and you really listen to them, like I sold, sold a woman the other day, you know, spend a day with me. It was a $2,000 package. 
And yet, you know, really seriously, I listened to her for 25 minutes. All I did was ask questions. I learned about her. I found out about her. I kept on saying, so this is what I've heard. Am I correct in understanding this is what you need? And then at the end of it, I took five minutes to tell her what I was, you know, what I could do for her. I gave her the price point and it was like a yes. It was yeah. so easy because all I did was really listen, right? Mm -hmm. Just really listen. Yes. Yeah, so what I'm learning from you too is that I think I talk too much in my sales processes too. I want to talk about everything about, you know, all about what we're doing. So it's been great. I've been working with Jen for the last few weeks in our sales process of what we do at Amplify You. And so it's been really great. I'm not ready to reveal all the fun changes that we're making yet, everybody, but stay tuned. You'll see. <laughs> it's just making things. things. Yeah. All good things. All good things, uh, which is awesome. I love it. You know, why do you think, um, you know, being a sales, you know, someone who helps people with sales, why, is it sales something that, is, you know, I feel like it's the last thing people, women want to, are going to invest in. And do you, have you found that <laughs> where they know they need help with it, but it's like, let's do the marketing first. Let's do the branding first. Let's do everything else except for the, what actually is going to make the money. <laughs> you know, I think that's changing, especially when they spend some time with me just talking to me because it's so, I'm so... I know for sure when they talk to you, it. that's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just pretty also relaxed about it. Like it's yeah. not... It's not that I'm going to beat them up at all. Like I really, I really love, you know, women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I just think that we have the ability to change this world. And so I'm just here to help. And I think when they realize that they're not going to have to do something that's really awful or manipulative mm -hmm. or pushy, it's really, I just take them back to what they naturally do. The relaxed, it just relaxes them, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, I know it's hard. What do you invest in in your business? But the thing is like, it's always the chicken and the egg, right? Do you do your marketing first and then you got all these people, but oh my goodness, smell as many marketing and now you don't have, know how to sell to them. Mm -hmm. Or do you learn how to sell so that when you do your marketing, you're ready. Mm -hmm. And you know, someone who sells marketing is going to tell you the marketing and I'm going to say, you know, <laughs> I think that when you, when you spend the money on marketing, you really want to make sure that you're ready, you're trained. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it, it took, you know, it takes a long time. I mean, you can do this pretty easily and pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not like we're going to, it's not like learning, you know, another language. It's really about taking what you do naturally and amplifying it. There you go. Mm -hmm. Love that word. It's everywhere. Isn't Love it? that word. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going into a sales conversation, we've talked about a few different things. Any tips as to how to prepare for one in a really easy way? Well, you obviously need to know who you're talking to, mm -hmm. right? So Today, there's no excuse to not know who you're talking to because our practically our whole lives are out there on in social media. You can Google them. You can <laughs> Google them. So going into a sales conversation well prepared, right, is, mm -hmm. is critical. You, there should be no need. I mean, 25 years ago, we used to say, you know, I don't know that. I'm going to have to check on that. But today, mm -hmm. it's, that's kind of not really, not really kosher. You really have to know what, what you're looking at. So, you know, if it's a one-on-one -on -one or if you're presenting to a corporation, to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And then also just to, to learn how to keep your mouth shut. And to listen. <laughs> for podcasters, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, I know. Your mother used to probably say to you, you have two ears and you have one mouth, so you need to listen twice as much as you talk. And that's really the truth in sales. 
ask questions, be interested, find out what's bugging them, find out what's worked, find out where they're stuck, find out where their challenges are, find out what their goals are. Don't go in with preconceived ideas about what you think they need. And I think that's a huge, mm. that's a huge faux pas for a lot of salespeople. I, well, I think they need this and they need package A and blah, blah, blah. And they don't really take the time to listen and to really find out what's been going on in that person's life or their, their companies. You know, it's just so critical, that part of it. And dig deep. People also stay really super superficial. I mean, it's just crazy how superficial they'll stay. You need to dig deep, not because you're nosy, but that's really where the answers are, right? Mm -hmm. So someone says to me, well, I want to earn more money. Well, how much is more money, mm -hmm. right? How much is more money? Because my version of more money could be, is going to be very different maybe than theirs, right? So they say, well, I want to earn an extra $5,000 a month. Awesome. So what have you done in the past to have earned an extra $5,000 a month? Because there's no point in me giving them a solution that they've already tried, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of digging deeper mm -hmm. that I think a lot of salespeople shy away from. But mm -hmm. people actually love it because it tells you that, A, you're listening to them, mm -hmm. and B, you really care, and you're not just there to give them a one-size-fits-most solution. Right, and everyone likes talking about themselves, so that's really a good thing. And they do. That's right. They love it. They love it. They lap it up. It's, it's great. Makes it your job so easy if you yeah. just listen. Ask you listen and do it right. That's cool. Um, would you suggest that you gather information from your uh, potential um, client before ahead of time, like on a form or something like that, so you have more information, or would you just go and Google them and look them up on Facebook? And you know, it, de it depends. It depends how the conversation is happening. It's obviously if it's, if you're going into a corporation, you may want to have a form, mm -hmm. you know, but it really, I think that's going to depend on that person, that person's style. Because again, this isn't a one size fits all. Because if I tell you how exactly word for word, what you need to say, it's going to sound scripted and it's going to yeah. sound really awful, right? Um, it's going to sound stilted, unnatural, and people are going to be uncomfortable. So I'm always looking when I'm coaching people is what's their natural style and let's work with your personality because trying to make you into me or trying to make someone into you, that's just, it's awful. Nobody likes that. Mm. And before going into a sales conversation, do you need to be able to quickly like figure out what kind of style, like if they're an analytical person that needs to know numbers and details, or if they want to build like a little bit longer, need to build rapport, if that's important to them, is there a way that you can tell those kinds of things that will help the process? It's a good question. I'm one of those, you know, like it drives me crazy because I've worked, I had three businesses in the automotive industry. So I know the industry super well. And the first time I went to buy a car after my marriage ended and I was a single woman buying a car and I had this salesman who was just obnoxious because he just thought I cared about the color of the mm -hmm. car, right? And the color, the kind of seats and really, and I was like, I am a researcher. I am an analytical person. Okay. I want to know the details. And so before I went, I had done all the research and he was, he treated me so badly and it was annoying because I wanted him to have a deep conversation with me about the car. 
he couldn't because he didn't know anything about the car. <laughs> I knew more about the car, right? So that's where as a salesperson, you really need to be prepared. If someone starts to mm. ask you really detailed questions, don't brush them off because you will irritate the living mm -hmm. daylights out of them, right? Like you'll just, if they, unless I had to have bought that car in that, at that time, I would have walked out and said, forget it, right? But it was, and it's, that's what's so irritating about someone who doesn't listen to mm -hmm. you, right? So if they ask, if they're asking deep questions, then respond in kind because they are asking for the details and you may think they can't surely want to know that. Well, they wouldn't have asked those deep questions if they didn't. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's so many different people, different styles. So it's just like kind of feeling your way through. But I think what you're saying and what I want the audience to take from it is like, be comfortable with what you're offering so that you can be a little bit more fluid in your conversation and a little bit more flexible when you do get someone that wants to know the deep details versus someone who just is like, you know, surface level information is good. <laughs> and other people, they get, yeah, and other people, they don't. And so then there's those salespeople like, I like those details, I, I know them, but it doesn't mean they need to know them, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to regurgitate every single thing you know about your product, right? Or service. <laughs> you just listen and then you give them exactly what they need and then you keep on saying you know if I heard if, I mean is this am I right am I right am I, I don't know mm -hmm. am I right and they'll answer you they'll say well you know, this is also important to me great well thank you for letting me know that right well Jan you're pulling out all sorts of things that I'm clearly thinking that I'm doing wrong <laughs> like you mean everyone doesn't need to know all the statistics about the podcasting industry before they start one <laughs> is that what you're saying <laughs> Well, you see, like for you, I know you're planning on, you know, putting this together in a video, but the thing is I can skip through a video. I can't yes. skip through a conversation, right? So if someone <laughs> isn't interested, I can't say, can you please fast forward? Cause that's boring me. To tears, the point. Right? <laughs> yeah. right? And the problem is, is that so many people are not comfortable in the selling mm -hmm. process that if someone does stop them and they've got it so well memorized that if someone stops them, they don't know where to start again because they've lost track, right? And that's a really scary, that's a really scary place to be if you're not really comfortable selling, right? Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I think, you know, just getting more comfortable with, you know, practicing, like any suggestions for practicing, like how do we get more comfortable with those conversations without having to uh, say, have many clients say no before we get to the, have done it right kind of conversation. You know, you do practice and you practice with people who, you know, other people, right? Mm -hmm. Before you go and you don't start with your very, very, very best <laughs> prospect or, you know, you just don't start there. You start with people in general and you just start to have the conversations and you critique yourself constantly. I mean, I'll get off of a sales conversation and think, okay, so what did I do well? What didn't I, could I do, I've done better. You're constantly improving. And I've been selling now. I mean, I was trained in sales by the time I was six. So, I mean, I've been selling for over 50 years. Mm -hmm. I still will think, oh, I could have done that a little bit better here. That really, you know, would have been better if I'd done this. You're never going to be perfect at it, but you certainly can practice. So practice, I mean, practice with your partner, practice with other business people, practice in a mastermind group, practice in mm -hmm. a networking group, but practice, right? Mm -hmm. And then just go out and do it because you don't get good at anything unless you do it. 
Yeah. And uh, fears of objections. Any, any great advice on uh, conquering those? <laughs> that is my favorite. I just yeah. love objections. Okay. So let's sort of punch them all down. Oh yeah. No, I love this. I love this. Okay. So first of all, you have to understand that an objection is a gift. Okay. You absolutely have to have objections. You do not have a sales conversation without an objection. It's, it's part of the conversation. We object all the time. I mean, Michelle, when was the last time you said no to something? or I don't like that collar. Oh, I don't really like that. It's too spicy. I mean, mm. we do it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's an objection, but we're not mean. We're not nasty, <laughs> right? We're just simply giving people feedback. So an objection is feedback. That's all it is. So if someone says, well, I don't have the time. Then that's because you probably haven't showed them the value. They just don't get mm -hmm. it enough. And mm -hmm. today, you know, I, I find that Sometimes people will talk to you as if you should know it. And I, lots of times people are embarrassed to say, you know, I don't understand that. So they'll just say, well, I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I have to think about it because we haven't spent enough time explaining it to them and making sure that they really understand or mm. we've made them feel embarrassed about being stupid. I mean, I remember reading about one salesperson that he would say, well, you know, this smartphone is just so simple. Even a five-year-old could use it. Well, then I would come in, you know, and I'm not really techie. And then I would ask, I ask questions. But if they had said that, I think, well, gee, I don't want to be stupider than, you know, yeah. a little kid, right? I mean, I, that would be embarrassing, right? right? So we have to always make sure that we set up our sales conversations so people feel comfortable asking mm -hmm. us questions and objecting. And when someone says, well, I don't like this or I don't, you know, this is what I'm, I'm not liking or this or that, you just say, thank you. And then you just answer the question and continue to do your investigation and find out more about them and help them that way. It's a gift. An objection is a gift. <laughs> the gift. You guys hear that? It's a gift. Okay. <laughs> it's not something scary. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no is okay. No is and no is not necessarily no. It's just not the moment. <laughs> or I need I need some more information, right? <laughs> I need some more information. Yeah. Can you clarify this for me? So just relax around an objection and say, thank you. And then just ask some more questions. Can you explain, you know, can you explain why you would say that? Or can you tell me why you're thinking that? Or mm. can you, you know, just simple. I mean, just like you were talking to a friend. Yeah. So natural curiosity too helps in sales conversations. Lots. <laughs> My two favorite words. I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious. Why do you think that? Like I'm curious and I am curious, right? Mm -hmm. A good salesperson has to be curious. Right. You can't do sales if you're not curious. If you don't care what the other person's thinking, then you, know, you can't excel <laughs> in sales, right? You have to be curious. So I'm curious. That makes so much sense. I love it. So Jen's company is called Selic Queen, right? Sales Queens International. SelicQueen.com. Is that right? SelicQueen.com. Yeah, I love it. And so the eight archetypes, you can go and take this quiz. It's super fun. I've taken it and it's interesting what shows up. And then Jen has got this offer for you to get her to go over it with you, which is super cool. So Jen, tell us where to go for that one. So it's the number eight mm -hmm. and then money archetypes.com. So eight money archetypes.com. And then you just do an assessment and then a calendar shows up and you just fill in and it's a 30 minute complimentary session. And yeah, we have a good time. Yeah. And especially if you love doing those Facebook quizzes all the time, you'll love this one too. This one's even better. <laughs> so Jen, thank you so much for alleviating the stress and pain out of sales conversations, making us feel like we need to increase our 
uh, minimum wage here to at least six figures and uh, having the confidence to do so. So thank you so much for being with us. Any last words as we leave today? Just I think we need to really appreciate if anybody's listening to this, you, you live in a very privileged part of the world, right? So just know that we have such a massive opportunity right now. It is a new world, right? And so what a massive opportunity to make massive differences. And so money is, money is simply the gasoline on the fire of change. And so it's there. You know, look at Zoom. They're now more, they're now more valuable than the top seven airlines combined, right? There's <laughs> people making money during this time, absolutely. <laughs> and so you can too. It just might, you have to, may have to pivot a little bit, but it's absolutely possible. And we really do need more people, more entrepreneurs with more money. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you so much, Jen, for being with us today. Look forward to bringing you back again someday and amplify you, all you guys out there. Make sure you go take that archetype quiz. It's so cool. Eight archetypes, eightmoneyarchetypes.com. Yes. Make sure you go there and I'll put that in the show notes too. So don't worry. <laughs> you missed it. Until next time, take care, guys. Thank you, family, for joining us on this adventure. If you're ready to be heard, head over to mypodcastcoach.com where you'll find out all the tools and tips you'll need to launch your podcast today. If you have a show already and you need some help managing it, please head over to managemypodcast.com and the Amplify You team would be happy to help you manage your podcast. Please also head over to iTunes, like, subscribe, or review our show so we can spread this message. And until next time, be your own unique genius.